Hamilton, 383, there will never be a sweeter story, story of the Savior's love divine. <clears throat> Jesus is everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. <clears throat>
Calvary covers it all, far dearer than all the world can impart, was a message that came to my heart. Mr. Park sent to me in the text the other day that I didn't read, uh, is I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary. We're going to stand and make this our opening hymn, standing to sing and singing your very best, O victory in Jesus, my Savior forever.
Let's unite our hearts together in prayer. We ask one of our elders, Mr. Jonathan McCauley, if Jonathan would come and lead us to the throne of grace in prayer, please. Let's all still ourselves before the throne of grace in prayer, please. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege it is to bow in thy presence tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the special nature of this meeting. We thank you for another gospel mission. Whenever the, the gospel message can go forth plainly through thy precious word. We thank you, Lord, that you have lost none of your ancient power. We thank you for thy Holy Spirit and the promise of the Holy Spirit even to come amongst us tonight. We pray, Lord, for a fresh presence of thyself in this meeting. We pray, Lord, for an old-time conviction of sin, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for uh, thy precious word. We thank you for the good news of the gospel. And we pray tonight, Lord, for those that will be gathered in our meeting that are not saved, have yet never closed in with thy offer of mercy. Lord, that you'd speak to them. Draw them unto thyself. Lord, even show them the awfulness of their sin and even the consequence of that sin. Lord, the great love that you had for men and women and for boys and girls in their sin. We pray, Lord, that you will even show the love that drew salvation's plan and for the grace that brought it down to man and for the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. And so, Lord, we ask you to be amongst us tonight. We pray, Lord, for Mr. Park as he comes to preach. We pray, Lord, that you will anoint him with thy Holy Spirit and, Lord, that you'll even help him and uh, what he has to say, bring everything to his remembrance and back that word home even by the power of thy Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for the Reverend uh, Leggy and his wife as they come to sing. We pray, Lord, even those words of song will be used to uh, even speak to hearts and draw them unto thyself. And so, Lord, we ask you to continue with us, bless us, do us good, and we'll be careful to give thee all the praise, the honor, and the glory. For it's in thy name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Jonathan, my heart can sing and I pause to remember a heartache here is but a stepping stone. But the chorus says, but until then, my heart will go on singing. Until then, with joy, I'll carry on until the day my eyes behold the city, until the day God calls me home. For some of us, that day can be sooner than we know. But it's good to know you're going home. Have you that assurance tonight that you're going home? If this was the night that God was to call. Think of these words of this lovely hymn as we stand to sing, please.
We're delighted tonight to have with us Reverend and Mrs. Marcus Leckie all the way from Cookstown and we've enjoyed their ministry and our missions before and brother and sister we thank you for coming and we look forward to your ministry and so Lord bless you.
you get saved this evening, if you give your heart to the Lord, you'll certainly not regret it because the Lord remains faithful. And the Lord is always in time. The Lord is always in time for his people. And he's there when we need us in the valley experiences of life. And that's really what this piece uh, really speaks to. It's just that we fall through the fire. <coughs>
Thank you for your ministry and song, and you'll come in a moment or two again to bring a message and song to you. As we bid you all welcome in the Saviour's name, how quick the nights go past, and we've arrived at the Friday evening of the Gospel Mission. But the mission continues, and we trust and pray that you'll continue to pray for the preaching of the Word of God. So thank you for making the effort to be with us. Thank you for coming, those who are here and those who are also listening in on Sermon Audio, Facebook and YouTube. Do you remember the service on Sunday evening? Uh, do you remember there's no service in Hebron? It will be here and it will be here on Sunday evening at 7pm. I heard about a man who came to Hebron last Lord's Day evening. In fact, he rang me during the week to find out where we had all gone. And uh, I had to remind him that the mission was on. So don't make that mistake. I trust you'll be with us on the Sabbath evening at 7 p.m. The singer on Sunday evening will be Rebecca Miller. And I think Rebecca's with us tonight. And we're looking forward to Rebecca coming and ministering to us in song. Left no offering during the week, but if you want to help us with the expenses, then there's a basket at the door. The hymn 423 says, I must have the Saviour with me, for I dare not walk alone. I must feel his presence near me and his arm around me. So we'll stand while we sing together this lovely hymn, again thinking about the words as we sing them, please. <clears throat>
going to ask Reverend Mrs. Leggy to come and to bring their final piece. As they're coming up, can we just, just come on ahead, continue to remember those who have been bereaved this week. We think of Sally and Drew, and we continue to remember them at the throne of grace and prayer, and continue to remember the Graham family, that they will know the Lord's presence and his abiding peace, even in these days of sorrow. Lord bless you. Thank you. The marketplace is empty, no more traffic in the streets. All the builders' tools are silent, no more time to harvest wheat. Busy housewives sees their neighbors in the Happy faces fly. 
Amen. The king is coming. Uh, the preacher's coming. I want to put this computer down so we have a bit more room and you can see us better. I add my words of welcome to uh, the comments already expressed tonight. And we're so glad to see all who have come. And we trust that we'll know the Lord's blessing. Once again, Mervyn, we appreciate you leading the service tonight. Uh, we thank you for that. And to the Reverend Leckie and his wife, thank you for coming so far from Cookstown and for singing tonight. Only Diane has all the nights booked. I was thinking Susan and I could sing. But uh, I just hope nobody lets us down. Could be done. Could be done, but uh, you would need to lead the way with you and Tracy singing, first of all. And you playing as well. You know, it's, it's lovely to be able to play. I can't play like that, brother, but I do play a little bit. And uh, we love to play the accordion. Play the accordion as well. <clears throat> and we're really enjoying the, the school's ministry. We did more work and uh, tried to get into the schools. We went round 18 of the schools. And thus far, 12 of the schools round about here have given us bookings to come into assemblies and to SUs. And we have nearly 60 bookings over the next wee while. So glad that Greg, our home missioner, and our sister Christina, uh, who is working for the mission board, is going to help us in the incoming year. And there's some schools still to come back uh, to be with us. We're in Kilmoyle. Kilmoyle is very famous uh, because it's you know, out there in Ballybogie where Brian and Annie are from. And that's where we have our Ukrainian children. They're in Kilmoyle School. It was lovely to see the children this morning. They come up and greeted us. I brought the accordion. I like to do that, sing some choruses together. And I stood up and I said, Does anybody know what this instrument is? We boys said, It's a drum. I said, no, not quite. Somebody else said, it's a saxophone. Uh, but they, they were wrong. Somebody else said, it's a piano. Well, you know, they, they were getting very close because it is a piano keyed accordion. And we had a lovely time just being with them, presenting the gospel of Christ. There's just one more week after this one. From Sunday night through to tonight, the meetings have gone so quickly. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being part of these meetings and those that are listening in there's always as many listening in to the gospel meetings as there are actually present with us physically and uh, I got a text from a dear brother who is confined to his home just at the moment because of recent illness and he's been tuning in from one of our churches and really enjoying the mission enjoying the singing and the singers that have come to take part will you please turn with me in God's word tonight <coughs> to Jeremiah chapter 12. I'm going to read the opening five verses of Jeremiah chapter 12. And thus we begin at the opening verse. Righteous art thou, O Lord, when I plead with thee. Yet let me talk with thee of all thy judgments. Wherefore doth the way of the wicked prosper? Wherefore are all they happy 
that deal very treacherously. Thou hast planted them, yea, they have taken root. They grow, yea, they bring forth fruit. Thou art near in their mouth and far from their reins. But thou, O Lord, knowest me. Thou hast seen me and tried mine heart toward thee. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and prepare them for the day of slaughter. How long shall the land mourn and the herbs of every field wither for the wickedness of them that dwell therein? The beasts are consumed and the birds because they said he shall not see our last end. If thou hast run with the footmen and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? And if in the land of peace wherein thou trustest they wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? Is that little phrase, that question that is asked at the end that I want to think about tonight? How wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? Before we come to look at God's word, let's pray. (coughs) Lord, once again we give thanks for all that has gone before. Thank thee for the congregational singing, this worship time, praise unto God. We've enjoyed that as we've sung about the Lord and sung great truths from the Bible. And we thank thee for the ministry and song. And Lord, we think of that peace that has reminded us the King is coming. We bless thee that Jesus Christ is coming one day in power and great glory. And one day the trumpet will sound and the voice of the archangel will be heard. And then shall descend the Son of Man as he comes with his holy angels to this earth again. What a day to look forward to. We pray that men and women will prepare for that time. We're in the business this fortnight of preparing people for eternity. And so as we come to your word, may we sit up, may we listen, may we give our hearts over to what God is saying in divine truth tonight. It was prayed in the prayer meeting earlier, hide the preacher behind the cross. And Lord, we would reiterate that. It's not the preacher we need to know or to see, it's Christ. And so therefore, may our hearts be drawn out after him. Those who do not know the Savior, Lord, we pray that you'll speak to them. And you'll open our hearts now to what the Lord is saying for Jesus' sake. Amen. wonder, have you ever complained? Have you ever complained when, when things have been against you and you don't fully understand what's happening, especially in times of great trouble? That's what Jeremiah is doing here. In these verses that we've read, Jeremiah is complaining. And his complaint is one that we can all understand. We can identify with what he's saying here. He couldn't understand why the ungodly seemed to prosper and to find success while the righteous were allowed to suffer. He had difficulty reconciling God's dealings with men. He couldn't interpret what was happening in the nation of Israel at this time. So what does he do? He does the right thing. He brings his burden to the Lord. He comes boldly to the throne of grace and he cries out upon the Lord, speaking humbly and honestly with the Lord. Now, Jeremiah knew that he hadn't the answer, but God did have the answer. And God's ways are always perfect. 
As he comes to inquire into God's providential dealings with the nation, he immediately acknowledges an unquestionable truth about God. And we have it in the opening line of this chapter. Righteous art thou, O Lord. No matter what darkness had come upon him, he resolved to maintain right thoughts about God. He knew that God would never do the least wrong, especially to his own, even when his judgments are unsearchable as a great deep. God was always right. Though the clouds and the darkness overshadow, and though we fail to understand so often what is happening in our lives and in our country, yet God's ways are always just. They're always perfect, they're always holy, and they're always right. Such is the acknowledgement of the prophet Jeremiah in these verses, or in this opening line. And the prophet's query is understandable. If you look at the opening verse, the second part of it, listen to what he's asking. Wherefore doth the way of the wicked prosper? Wherefore are all they happy that deal very treacherously? Verse 2, thou hast planted them, yea, they have taken root, they grow, yea, they bring forth fruit. Thou art near in their mouth and far from their reins. There seems to be an apparent injustice. Jeremiah stumbled here, as many godly people do. He observed the paths and the projects of the wicked being successful. Because ungodly men can be successful. They can advance in this world. And he also noted that they were happy. For the ungodly can be happy. As happy as this world allows them to be. These men were successful and happy. Even though they dealt very treacherously. It has been said you cannot expect to prosper. When you are dishonest in your dealings. But these men did. At least for a time, God had permitted this. It seems God had been kindly disposed towards them. He had favored them, even though they despised him. And that was a great mystery to the prophet. Jeremiah appeals to the Lord about his own loyalty. Look at the opening part of verse 3. But thou, O Lord, knowest me. Thou hast seen me and tried mine heart toward thee. Jeremiah sought to be a faithful prophet bringing God's word day by day to the nation of Israel. And the Lord had examined his ways and tried his heart. And he knew that Jeremiah was a faithful man. And yet all this trouble was happening in the nation. And then Jeremiah prays that God would turn his hand against the wicked. The other part of verse 3 tells us that, where he prays, Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter. Prepare them for the day of slaughter. God had brought judgment to the land because of the wicked, and as a result, the whole nation was suffering. Look at verse 4. How long shall the land mourn? Even the herbs, the plant life, was suffering. They were withering for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. The animal kingdom, the beasts and the birds, he goes on to mention, suffering as well. The whole nation, men and women and Plant life and animal life, all suffering because of the wicked. So why do the righteous have to suffer because of the wicked? That's really what the prophet is asking here. And these were the things that he couldn't reconcile to his mind. But you know, God had an answer. And God gave an answer. And the Lord steps in here in verse 5, and this is what he says to the prophet. 
If thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? And if in the land of peace, wherein thou trustest, they weary thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? Jeremiah didn't realize that what was happening in the nation was just the beginning of sorrow. There was worse to come. There were harder days ahead, darker trials to experience. If he was getting a tough in a day of relative normality and peace, how would he fare when things got worse? And that's the picture that the Lord is bringing to his attention. Jeremiah, if you are having difficulty running with footmen, trying to keep up with them, and you're weary and you're tired, what are you going to do when you have to contend with horses and try to keep up with the, the galloping horses? And if in the land of relative peace you're wearied, what's going to happen whenever the Jordan swells and things get, get more difficult for you? And you know, this is a question that all of us have to ask. If we think the troubles that befall us from time to time are hard to bear, and they are, and I wouldn't take away from any trouble that any individual is passing through. How shall we fare if and when we enter into the deeper and the darker valleys of life? I think there's a word for everyone here tonight. Uh, and I trust that God will speak to our hearts as we think about the swelling of Jordan. And this indeed is the, the prospect that is in view. That's the first thing I want to draw your attention to. The prospect that is in view is simply summarized in this picture that is giving, given, the swelling of Jordan. There's no if here. If it happens, it's a certain thing. It's going to happen. It's going to come. We have to expect it. The Jordan will swell for all of us. Now, the meaning of what the Lord is saying here is quite simple. The Jordan of the Bible lies in a valley between the Lake of Galilee and the Dead Sea. The average breadth of the river is 40 yards. The current is rapid and the fords, the possible crossing places in the river, are few and very difficult. In fact, when Israel came to the crossing of the Jordan in Joshua chapter 3, there was not a single point where they could cross with ease or safety at any season of the year. In the harvest time, April and May, the rain was still falling in the mountains the snows of Hermon and Lebanon were melting, causing the rivers, as the scripture tells us, to overflow all its banks. And this was the time of the greatest swell. The river was in full spate. The torrents of water were rushing swiftly. The fords were impassable, and the difficulty of crossing was at a maximum. Incidentally, when Israel crossed in Joshua's day, it was the harvest time. The banks had burst and overflowed themselves. The opening of a passage through such a torrent at that season was a, a stupendous miracle. And only God could make a way. Praise God the Lord can make a way when there is no way. And he did that for Israel. And my friends, in life we have many rivers to cross. Rivers of sorrow, rivers of sadness, rivers of heartbreak, rivers of fear. Rivers of turmoil, rivers of danger and difficulty and conflict and anguish and pain. And you could just keep adding to the list. But how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? Clearly indicating the deepest and the darkest valleys of all. And that's such an important 
question to ask tonight to all of our hearts. Now, now what are these valley experiences? What are these swelling times that can come into our lives? Well, there is the fiery trial of affliction. And I'm thinking here particularly of persecution and opposition to the gospel, which incidentally we know very little about in this land. Now, let's face it, we don't really face a lot of opposition as Christians in this country. But you go to other places in the world, go to North Korea, go to Pakistan, India, some of the African countries that are under the, the sway of Islam, and you will find terrible persecution. Go to places like China. And to be a Christian there means persecution, real persecution. It means imprisonment. It means beatings. It means martyrdom so often. Every day people are dying for their faith, and that can be a great swelling time and a great challenge in the life of a believer. It might be bodily illness and, and pain that comes our way. Our feeble frames are, are hit with disease. Beds of sickness and distress come. And we hear the bad news that the doctor has a, a diagnosis to give to us. That all is not well with these bodies of ours. And he breaks the news. You've got cancer. You've got lung disease. You've got heart disease. You've, you've got some other malady. And it's threatening your life. You know, my friends, hospitals are filled with people like that this very night. My brother's a pastor and so am I. And often we visit the hospitals and we see those that are in the swelling times, the great valley experiences. And some of you here tonight know exactly what I'm talking about because you've been there, maybe are there this very night. Maybe it's a heartbreak over wandering children in the family. As Christian parents, we seek by the grace of God to do all we can for our children. To bring them up, as the scripture says, in the fear and the admonition of God. We long over them, we pray for them. We bring them to the meetings, we send them to Sunday school, to the children's work, and to as many other meetings like missions like this, where it's possible. So often our children go up and they go astray. And they've had all the privileges of the gospel and all the privileges of a Christian home but they wander far away from God. And I tell you tonight, it's one of the most heartbreaking things for any mother or father to go through. When a child so taught, so loved, so yearned after in the gospel, goes astray, just like the prodigal into the far country, walks away from all the privilege that it's had and begins to live a life in the world and a life of sin. And I know that that's a swelling time, a great time of trouble for many a Christian home. It might be the, the sorrow and tragedy that overtakes our homes. We enter into the house of mourning. The news comes that a dear one in the family, maybe a friend, has been cut down suddenly and, and tragically. And we, we, have, we have known that. In the past week, we have, we have known of a young woman of 51 who has just left her husband and children behind and has died, found in dead, just dead in bed the other day. We think of the little baby and the Jordan family, just 10 months old, died. What a tragedy. What a dark time. What a swelling time. And then, of course, it's death and eternity for us all. When you think of the, the, the Jordan, the swelling of the Jordan, this, this great troubled time, then we have to think of our own death and eternity. And this is the swelling of Jordan for all of us. The Jordans of life are hard to bear and they're hard to cross at any time. But whenever the banks swell and the waters roll at our feet and we are swept away in the current, 
at the call of death. How great is the enemy that we face. Praise God for the believer. It's the last enemy. We will never have another enemy to face whenever we face the enemy of death and we we, we have faced that enemy and come out victoriously at the other side. It's the last enemy. And it's an enemy to the ungodly as well. What an awful thing it is to die without the Lord. And we need to face up to this reality. We must enter into the Jordan. We must die one day. We will arrive at the waters of the Jordan. It's a picture of death and it's a river that every one of us must cross to get to the other side, to enter eternity. Each one must go this way. And that's the prospect tonight. It's something that you're not going to escape. We must all needs die. The scripture reminds us. But not only is there the prospect that is in view, but there is the the personal inquiry that is being asked here by the Lord to his servant Jeremiah. How will thou do? It's not in the plural, it's in the personal. Pronoun is used here. Thou, how will thou do? You, my friend, personally tonight, how will thou do in the swelling of Jordan? The great tides of eternity will rise about us and amid the swelling of the river, we must quit this life. But the all-important consideration is how will we do? And there's only two ways to face death and eternity. Either as a child of God, and that means to be with Christ, or as a lost soul, and that means to be without Christ. And I want to to look at it both ways tonight, because we have in this meeting children of God, and we have those that are still lost. How wilt thou do as a child of God? And the news is good. You will fare well. You will fare all right. It's a blessing to leave this life as a Christian, to go out into eternity. The Bible says, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. The world doesn't understand that. Blessed, that's the word, happy. Happy are the dead. How can you be happy in death? Yet the Bible says it's true for those who die in the Lord. Only those that die in the Lord are happy in the hour of death. The word of God reminds us that the Lord says, precious in the sight is the death of the saints. Precious thing. For a child of God to die, to go home to glory, to be with Christ, which is far better. And God views it as something that is most precious in his eyes. Christians die well. Do you ask any nurse or doctor that has sat at the bedside of those that have passed from the scene of time? And very often they can draw the comparison between the godly and the ungodly in the hour of death. Those that are still conscious when they're dying and realize that they're dying. And realize that they're going out into eternity. The child of God dies well. With a peace in his heart. You see the Christian has hope in the hour of death. That's what Solomon said when he said the righteous hath hope in his death. And what is that hope? The hope is something that's very certain. We're going to be with Christ. We're going to glory. What a wonderful hope that is. I have a hope, the hymn writer said, that is steadfast and sure since Jesus came into my heart. But not only does the child of God have hope in the hour of death, the child of God has a heaven to go to. Isn't that a blessed thought this evening? The Bible tells us 
It's the words of Paul, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What gain is there in death? That gain is glory. It's heaven. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he spoke in that 14th chapter about heaven and something of the glories of heaven. That's where you're going, child of God. You have a heaven to go to in the hour of death. Not only have you hope, not only have you got a heaven, but praise God, you've got a helper in the hour of death. There's someone that will be with the Christian when he or she dies. And that's the Lord himself. Yea, though I walk, this is the testimony of David in the Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. There is one to take the believer by the hand, bring that child of God down into, yes, the chilly waters of Jordan's death, but bring them across victoriously to the other side. And his name is Jesus. It's a beautiful passage of scripture and so often we read it with, with those that are going through dark times and maybe even facing death. And it's found in Isaiah 43 where the Lord says, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. And then he speaks these words. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. The Lord has promised when we come to the time of crossing the Jordan, we enter into the waters of death. He's right there. I was a minister in Porto Vogue before I came to Balamone. Right next door to the church lived an elderly couple, Mr. and Mrs. Mahood. I remember their name even though it's a long time ago. They had a daughter who lived in the town of Newton Ards that became very ill. She was a Christian. She was a believer. Very sadly, she had succumbed to cancer. It was brain cancer. She was in hospital. Time was getting short. She had wonderful opportunities to gather the children around, those children that she had brought into the world and that she loved, and wonderful opportunities to talk to them about heaven and where she was going, and to say to those in the family especially who knew not the Lord, to prepare, to meet her one day in glory, as every mother, every dying mother would just long in their heart that their children would all be ready and meet them in glory. The dear lady fell unconscious, but one day, not long before her death, she wakened up. She was able to speak again and address the family that were now gathered around her bed. She was coming near the time of death. She said to her husband, who was sitting at her bedside, He's coming for me now. Hold me by the hand. The Lord is holding the other one. And with a glow in her face, she closed her eyes in the sleep of death and went out into eternity, the Savior to bring her across to the other side victoriously and gloriously. Oh, praise God, the child of God has a helper, one to be there. But how shalt thou do as a lost soul? And the news is not good. As I read my Bible, I see nothing but darkness. Despair, desolation, and doom, and fear. The unsaved, you see, have no hope in the hour of death. No hope whatsoever. Written across your life, written across your death, there's no hope. 
written across your eternity. No hope. And the unconverted, they have no heaven to go to. Because heaven's not their destination. The Bible says there's another place. It's a place of darkness. It's a place called hell forevermore. It's the blackness of darkness forever, God's word teaches. And the unsaved have no helper. No helper to convey them through that passageway of death to a place of safety. Because there'll be no helper there. Oh, my friend, think of eternity. 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 Where will you be in eternity? That's the question. How awful is the death of the wicked? No wonder Balaam the false prophet said, let me die the death of the righteous. Let my last end be like his. And he was thinking, obviously, in his mind, knowing the truth of God. When I die, I want to die right. I want to die well. I want to die ready. I want to go home to heaven forevermore. But Balaam, by all accounts, died without the Savior. He was lost forever. It was just an aspiration in his heart. I would like to die that way, but he didn't die that way. He died in tragedy without a Savior and was lost forevermore. What about you tonight? Then I have one final little thought that I want to close with, and it is simply this. There is the presence to desire. Whenever I come to these swelling times in life, and I think we've all been there, great times of challenge in our lives, great trials that have overtaken us, I want the Lord to be there. And praise God, he has been. Because for his people he has promised us in this world, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And when I come to die especially, and I enter the swelling of Jordan, go through the gates of death, I certainly want the Lord to be there, as we've indicated tonight, this helper to convey me across to the other side. The hymn writer said when we sang the words this evening, I must have the Savior with me, for I dare not walk alone. I must feel his presence near me and his arm around me thrown. I must have the Savior with me and his eye the way must guide till I reach the vale of Jordan, till I cross the rolling tide. Then my soul will fear no ill. I don't know how the ungodly do without him. I don't know how you do without him in life if you're not saved. But this I do know. When you come to the crossing of the river, when the Jordan swells for you one day, you will wish with all your heart to have the Savior then with you. When you are leaving this world, when you feel your feet slipping down into the waters of death, when you sense the very soul of your body leaving its earthly tabernacle, you will wish with all of your heart that Christ is with you then. But my friends, I need to tell you tonight, to have Christ with you in the hour of death means to have him with you now in life. It means to know him as your personal savior, to be rightly related to him, to have a saving relationship with him, to know your sins forgiven, to know it's well with your soul that you're going to heaven. And if you have that assurance and you're a child of God, well then the Lord will be there in the hour of death. 
D.L. Moody was one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived. He was an evangelist of the 19th century. Great preacher, great soul winner, dear man of God. And he died in his home in East Northfield on the 26th of December, 1899. His passing from this world could be described as something beautiful, something gentle, as gentle as anyone could ever wish for. His family were all gathered around his bedside and the dying man's last moments were were spent comforting them. He was heard to say, earth is receding, heaven is opening. And to his son Will, who was at his bedside, he said, it is beautiful. If this is death, it is sweet. There's no valley here. God is calling me and I must go. And I put it to you tonight, that's the way to die. That's the way to die, to die as a child of God. So the question that God is asking, not just to Jeremiah, but to everyone in this meeting tonight, is the question in our text. How wilt thou, you personally, do in the swelling of Jordan? Only you can answer that. Only you can say in your heart of hearts, preacher is well with me, and I'll do well. I'll be like the ones you've described tonight, because I've got hope. I know I'm going to heaven, and I've got a helper that's going to convey me there all the way. Or in the truth of your heart, you have to say, listen, I'm still a lost soul. I'm unconverted, I'm unready, and I'll not do so well. Well, my friends, you can do something about it tonight. You can get right with God. You can prepare for the swelling time of Jordan. You can prepare for death. By coming to Jesus Christ and acknowledging him as your saviour. Let's bow together in prayer. So now one week is up. The mission is gone as far as this week is concerned. No meeting tomorrow night back in the will of God on the Lord's day. But only in the will of God. Some of you perhaps have been at the mission every single night and God has spoken to you again because I know he's spoken in the past but he's spoken again. And you know my friends it's time to seek the Lord. It's time to get right with God and to consider the matter of your soul and your destiny to make sure it's well that you're going to heaven. Only Christ can take you there and we're here to help you all we can. And if you'd like to talk to us, just say to me at the door, wait in your seat till others leave. Say to somebody beside you, you might know them as a believer, I'd like to talk to the preacher tonight, I'd like to talk to someone, I'd like to get saved. You can have the joy of pointing you to Christ. Oh, loving God, thank thee for your word, for the challenge of it, this question that is, that is so applicable to ask in a meeting like this, how will we do in the swelling of Jordan. Give us proper grace in our heart to answer it. And if it's not well, and the individual has to say, it's not going to be so good for me when I come to die. Lord, may they do something about it tonight. May they fly to Christ. May they come to his blood and know their sins forgiven and pardoned. May they receive him into their heart and life as Savior. May they do it tonight for Jesus' sake. Amen. A closing hymn asks the question, where will you spend eternity?
this question comes to you and me. Tell me what shall your answer be? Where will you spend eternity? May you feel the challenge of the question as we sing tonight this closing hymn. Gracious God, we have felt the challenge even of this hymn. And we pray that you'll speak on while this preacher is silent, while the songs now are are in eternity, they're in the past, never to be sung again, this word never to be preached again, as far as the mission is concerned. Lord, may we sit up, may we pay attention to what God is saying. May we not walk out without the Savior, but may sinners seek him, call upon him, May they look and live, get right with God. Lord, may they, perhaps they're counting the cost now. Lord, we know that we count the cost, but what an awful loss it is to lose your soul, and it's not worth it. We pray that men and women will see the importance of forgiveness and pardon and peace with God, knowing it's well with them for eternity, and seek Christ. Dismiss us now with your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.